You've tuned in to the Locum Story Podcast, a place where we interview physicians, PAs, and NPs from all different specialties and backgrounds about their careers, tips for success, and of course, locum tenants. Learn more about locums at locumstory.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Locum Story Podcast. I'm Chase Johnson, and today I'm joined by special guest nurse practitioner Kelly Luke, who specializes in emergency medicine, urgent care, and family medicine. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Kelly was one of the many healthcare workers who rushed to New York City to treat patients in desperate need of care. Since then, she has taken several locums assignments to continue to build her career and her skill set as an NP. Thank you for joining us today, Kelly. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about how you first heard about locums and what inspired you to take your first locums assignment? So actually, I was working in um, Oregon, and and I worked with a couple of locums APPs that came through this ER that I was working in. And, you know, I started inquiring about it. And uh, one of my friends, Carrie Bays, she said, you know, I really love it. I like the flexibility. You get to pick your hours and you really get to experience different healthcare systems. And kind of that's how I started looking into it. So was that, I'm assuming that was prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Was that right before, kind of in the midst of it? It was, it was, it was like 2017, I believe. Nice. Great. And you went to Brooklyn to help treat patients during the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you tell us about that experience? What was that like? Oh, wow. I, you know, I think that we all kind of live in our, our little world that we live in and it's really kind of closed off, although we, it's a big world we live in, you know, and then the Phoenix area, I live in suburb of Phoenix, um, Gilbert area, which is like, I think, maybe over 500,000 people, but the surrounding area is a lot of people, but we still have our own known healthcare system, what we grew up in, what we've been working in. And so we kind of think that everything is similar until we get to another state. And let me sure. tell you, and I, there's little uh, different uh, idiosyncrasies and different like formats and things like that. But this was the biggest wake up call for me going to Brooklyn. And, and of course it was at Kings County Hospital and it was resident run wow. facility. And then we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're not in the, in, in the beginning of it. This is at the very beginning. And I thought I was in a third world country and I'm not wow. kidding. I mean, I did, you know, I never was like a Snapchat person cause I'm older now and I'm not really into that, but my friends and family wanted to know what was going on every day that I was there. So after doing 15 hour shifts every day, I would be exhausted. So then I would go to the hotel, take a shower, and then I would kind of Snapchat them the story. But let me tell you the first time, again, it's, it was during the pandemic, so pure panic. The you know, the most death I've seen in one location in my entire career. I was a paramedic for twelve years, ER trauma nurse for ten years, and then ER urgent care for now almost thirteen years. But I never saw so much death in one location. Wow. Um, and it's so hard to explain, but just. The worst part was the fear on their eyes when they came in. So in Kings County, it was a huge ER. I I think it was a hundred bed ER. And don't quote me on that, but uh, we would triage probably up to 200 patients a day. But keep in mind, everybody was coming in, right? Because they were panicked, right? 
the ER was so full that not only were the beds full, but they were lined with beds on the outside of those beds. Jeez. You couldn't stand by the nurse's station because there was beds on each side on top of the beds being full and we didn't have enough oxygen. I remember we ran out of um, non-rebreather masks. And so what uh, we made some with gloves, but, and then we'd run out of masks and then you would run and see somebody's oxygen in the sixties, you'd run and you'd try to go get another tank and fill it up and there was no more masks. So we'd make those masks. It was utter chaos. And, and then the trauma bay and this hospital is really old. The trauma bay was so old that uh, EMTs would, bring through this old crooked door um, in a trauma while there's three people next to this patient intubated or on a ventilator I from COVID. Wow. And so I think it was just shocking to me. So uh, clarify, was this your first locum's assignment when you went to this, uh, this facility or was this uh, a subsequent? This was my, just my second one. Okay. Wow. And what did you just kind of view that and say, this place I know has a need or what kind of brought you out there in the first place? It was because of the need. It was. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and, and honestly, I did have two other locums assignments that were canceled because remember in the beginning of COVID, they were telling everybody to stay home. Sure. So who got hit the hardest was the ER because people really were staying home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then there's other places that people weren't and then that's where it was it was in new york so then there there was where i needed to go wow. and i wasn't afraid to go there i did have a moment though i did have a moment where i was in the hotel and i thought okay kelly you have really severe asthma you're gonna die if you get this wow, wow. and i think i panicked for about 20 minutes and then i realized okay well i'm all right and then I was fine. And then I got over it. Uh, but uh, emotionally is, I just went and went and went and went for 15 days straight at Kings County, which was very difficult. That place was very difficult. Because then you would tell the patients, okay, so you'd triage them and they would have, you know, if their oxygens were above 94, 95, you knew they had a fever, go home, take vitamins, because really it's a virus, you can't really treat it. But then if they were like, really hypoxic we would send them back and i knew if they went back they weren't coming out wow because most of the time if you got intubated you weren't coming out the vent yeah so uh that was the hardest part is the, the and then some would come back a week later way bad and others that didn't come back and so it was just a give and take and then you know, then it would be um, a mother and father. A father went back, didn't come out. A mother came a week later. She was really sick. And then it was a brother, I believe. And, or no, this, no, it was the mother. And then there was the father. And I told the son, the the nurse went to Willem back. And I told the son, give your father a kiss. Mm. And so, because I said, just let him go with him really quick because they weren't letting people go back there. Sure. I didn't feel because he was so hypoxic, his stats were 58%. He looked horrible. And I thought, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. So that's kind of how I got thrown into the, okay, this is travel, you know, and then I did that for 30 days. And then I traveled again to Long Island after that. And I was in the ICU for, I think, three and a half months. How did that experience that? It sounds hard. That sounds really difficult. How did that experience kind of shape how you 
view locums. I, I, I can't imagine that's a, a something that a person does and says, this is, this is for me. That sounds really difficult. You know, you're, I mean, this is like, I think this is being really vulnerable because I typically don't say uh, my emotions. I just I typically don't share them, but I will say on day 30 at Kings County. And I remember the, the chief there said, Kelly, you want a job here? And I said, no. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'll bet. We were all sitting and we just finished triaging patient. We actually had a lull for about 10 minutes, which was not normal. And I literally started crying and I said, okay, I'm done. That was it. Jeez. I, I had understand to why. So then I uh, came home for, I think, two weeks. And that's when I went back with locums to Long Island. Wow. Okay. But I had to have a mental break. So I went to the beach. Good. Good. You deserved it, it sounds like. <laughs> so, um, but it, it shaped me in many ways. And I'll tell you why, because... Again, like I said in the beginning, we we are all raised in certain areas and what we know is what we have, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you really go and experience it somewhere else, you don't have that knowledge or understanding. And you just you just assume everything's the same. It's not the same. Sure. And then it gives you an appreciation of what you have. Yeah. Yeah. Good perspective. That's that really is quite excellent. I think that that segues into a Another question I have. So based on your experiences working uh, or working in a permanent NP position versus locums, what would you say are the big differences? It sounds like that that particular experience was full of work, full of trauma, full of, you know, you, you had a very uh, heavy schedule, I guess, is what I would say. Outside of that, are there any other huge differences that you call out? So I can say I've been in perm and locums and I actually now prefer locums. Uh, again, I can't say I prefer locums in that setting. Sure, of course. Again, you're not going to work your normal shifts. You're not. You're you're doing excess, right? Because of the need, and you can't say no, if that makes sense. And yeah, you get more money that way. But really, in the whole scheme of it, you're there to help people because it was really a disaster. But yeah. when you go, and so then I went locums and then I stayed locums for a little bit and then I thought no okay I'm done traveling and it, it kind of burned me out a little bit because I wanted to be home if that makes sense of course yeah so I took a perm position for another year and then I realized there's no flexibility your schedule even if you're promised you're promised I've been promised in two separate um contracts you get to self-schedule it never happened Really? Yeah. And in three years, I only had one day off. I mean, really? No Jeez. And you can't get coverage. You can't get coverage. There's not, there's never a, a sufficient backup of providers for some reason. Sure. I don't know if it's all systems, but I'm going to say it's a lot of systems. Yeah. So it's different as a nurse than a provider because in nurse, you can call out and they'll get another nurse to come in. But as a provider, it's not that simple. So locums is a lot more flexible. I'm getting older. I want to be able to have some work-life balance, which I think as healthcare professionals, we don't really have anyway. We're kind of workaholics. I think most of us are. Sure. And we're chasing the dream and whatever else we're doing. But there comes a time that you have to have work-life balance and locums allows that. Awesome. It doesn't 
always benefit you if you get a contract canceled, which did just happen to me. Just I don't know. Which, but if you establish yourself correctly and, and understand it, which now I've had years of understanding, it's fine. Yeah, good. It's beneficial. So it sounds like from a personal perspective, it's definitely, uh, it affords you that work-life balance and kind of you can, uh, you have a, a lot more freedom. Would you say that there are clinical benefits to it? Are you like, are you furthering your skill set uh, as a local provider? Oh, definitely. I There are so many clinical benefits and there's also educational benefits. And I'll tell you why, because systems, all of these systems are different. For example, when I was in Yuma, Arizona, those are the sickest people I've ever seen. I mm. learned so much and I was able to do acute care as well. That got me grandfathered in with my license as well. So wow. I, I'm able to do now acute care with doing COVID by doing ICU as well as Yuma. And so I have learned more from doing all these being thrown in. So with locums, you're thrown in. You don't yeah. have... You better know what you're doing. And so yeah. I even had a nurse just ask me the other day, aren't you worried about losing your license? And I said, I've been doing this for 13 years. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't put myself in a position if I couldn't take care of things correctly and safely. Yeah, so, good perspective. But it gives you that experience. It really does. You get more well-rounded by traveling than you ever will staying in one place. Awesome. Yeah, good perspective. How do you, uh, what do you look for when you're looking for an assignment or at an agency? Are there, um, are there certain attributes that, that stick out to you? You know, what's funny is I started liking critical access hospitals and I think it's because I like to be independent. Okay. Uh, I like to make the choices. I like to be in charge, not in charge in a bad way, but I liked to use my skill set and my critical thinking, if that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. And also, and it's not necessarily easier. Um, and some people think that you go to a critical access hospital, it's gonna be so much easier, but really you have some of the sickest people. The the, the most difficult I've been having lately is transferring patients out in the own their own state, having to trans transfer people out of state because of the nursing shortage and bed shortage. Oh, it's, not because of, it's not because of, uh, that they don't have the, the beds available, it's the staff. Hmm. So you do have, so I like, I like the, the critical access. I'm not a big fan of the big facilities as much anymore. I'm not sure why, but I, but I like to go to a location that I know my asthma is not going to be bad. Okay. Fair. <laughs> and that it's not going to be hot and humid. That's fair. That's fair. I know that about me. <laughs> yeah. Good. All right. So is there, there's a temperature threshold that you're looking for. For sure. Yeah. Can't accept. I live in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, uh, now's a good time. We're recording this at the beginning of November. Now I would say prime time for Arizona. I would think. Oh, it's gorgeous here. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. That's awesome. Um, okay. So it that's kind of a good segue. In order to uh, work as an NP in multiple states, you have to have the correct license for the state that you're going to be practicing in, right? Can you tell us a little bit about how that licensing process works and how long it takes to complete? Oh, absolutely. And I can give you some um, even more information now. Well, so Arizona is actually a pretty good state to get licensed at. Um, California is one of the worst. They take the longest. I haven't done theirs because it's six months or greater. Wow. Okay. Um, but I also find that when I research um, California positions, they don't pay any more than Arizona and the cost of living is, is way more than here. So it For doesn't sure. benefit me to go there. Did you find that uh, it sounds like you've kind of figured this out? Did you 
did you figure that out on your own? Or again, I, I keep asking on the, the agency support just out of curiosity. I, I, you have to figure that part on your own, but I'll tell okay. you with my first agency that I went with, with Comp Health, they were the ones that directed me at every step, which gave me the availability now to figure things out on my own. Okay. So hence, I stay with a couple of companies because of their, not only their reputation, but um, just they do everything. They help you, yeah. they guide you, they direct you. And it's, a, it's, a, they're great companies. So you stick with what you know, and we're going to give you the best assignments and they're going to, you know, take care of you Excellent. because we're, we're working together. It's me benefiting the company as well as the company benefiting me. Sure. Yeah. It's a partnership there. It is for sure. Talking about uh, back to uh, assignments specifically, can you tell us a little bit about what the onboarding process looks like when you're going and working in a new facility? How long does it take you to kind of get up and running in a, a new environment? Okay, so the onboarding, if you're talking about credentialing and things like that. Yeah. So it varies and it's going to vary for need. If it's an emergency need, they can get you emergency credentialed and temporary um, privileges at the facility. Okay. You can do that. I've had one actually within a week. Wow. Quick. Yeah, which is quick. But most of the time, any credentialing, standardized credentialing is three months. Okay. But welcomes, they can get you within one to two weeks. Okay. So really, it, it makes sense on who's on your team. And really, that's why like um, Comp Health or Medicus, they have these people that are in these roles to really just standardize the application process. Because if you think about it, when you have to send over everything for recredentialing, it's a nightmare. Yeah. It, yeah. They make it less of a nightmare. Good. Because otherwise, I don't think you would have people doing doing locums. Honestly, you wouldn't. It, it's hard. It's a transition. Mm -hmm. For sure. Going, so can go pretty quick, and then some can take a little bit longer. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. I think that that discrepancy is, is good to call out. So, um, tell me about so going to I'm going going to go back to that uh, COVID nineteen experience and and maybe subsequent assignments since then. How long did it take you to feel kind of confident in that new role? You kind of mentioned this feels foreign to me in in more ways than one. Is that, I'm assuming that's relatively atypical for uh, a locum's assignment. How long does it take you to get uh, maybe comfortable um, in a new role? Is that, is that's that a, a good week question? Long? Well, okay. because even if you've had experience, say I had experience for 20 years, it doesn't matter. You're in a different location. You're in a different setting. You're in with different people that you do not know. Like sure. you just don't know them and you don't know how they're going to respond or how, you know, medicine, nursing can be very judgy mm. um, and very clicky. Mm. And I've never been one to fit in a click per se, but I'm there to do my job, do it well and do the best of my ability. But you have to be able to fit in with their goals, values, needs, but do the best job you possibly can. So there are personalities that you may not click with. And, you know, so there's always those concerns of fitting in the way they want you to fit in. Because honestly, if they don't like you, they can send you packing. It's sure. true. Sure. 
Um, but you know, I've, you have to be versatile. You have to be flexible. Yeah. And if you can't be flexible and versatile, then you're not going to make it. And you have to be able to jump right in. If you don't have that ability to jump right in, you'll never, it just doesn't work because there's times that I've had training for two days prior. And there's other times I didn't have any, I just went right in. It's what they want in their system. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I, I want to extract something down there. Uh, so maybe some words of wisdom for uh, someone investigating doing locums as an NP, uh, we'll say an APP professional. It sounds like you've got to maybe uh, show up and do the job is what I'm hearing. Don't get wrapped up into the politics or the clicks or things like that, um, even though that might that that might feel like uh, you might feel some pressure for doing Absolutely. something like that. Mm -hmm. um, Especially as an APP, not so much as a doctor. I'll tell you, okay. there is a difference. I'll bet. Okay. Being a nurse, me being a nurse, and then an APP, you are treated differently from nurses as an APP as a nurse would treat a doctor. Okay. Very different. Okay. Can you expand on that in, in what way? I think sometimes nurses think that they can be a little bit more verbal or say what they want to or tell you what to do, but what they would not say to a doctor. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The, Where that line is, I'm not really sure, but, uh, you know, it's just been, and then there's others that are completely respectful of your decisions or your medical decisions and they're not. So it just varies where you go, but you have to have that understanding that you cannot take that personal and you sure. have to be able to just go and do your job and, and do it right and not be swayed otherwise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I did have a nurse trying to sway me to, to discharge a patient that was inappropriate for discharge. And, and he kept saying it, kept saying it, and I just didn't respond. So, mm. you know, and the guy got transferred and was in the ICU. So so it wasn't even a, 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 not even appropriate. So you just have to do no matter what, what's best for the patient. And if yeah. you stick with that and, and you're flexible, you'll be okay. Good. Good. That's a good thing to maybe remember if you're experience or if you're exploring locums. But it is nerve wracking. Like it is, you get nervous every single time you go. I'll bet. You don't know what to expect. You it's know normal. how to take care of the patient. You know how to treat a patient. There's going to be a couple of patients you don't know what to do for, but you make sure you have supervising physician or a backup or somebody you can contact. Yeah. And just it's, if you always play it safe, you'll be fine. Maybe walk me through that, Kelly. Do you uh, do you try and identify a team as soon as you get there of, you know, who is who is my backup or do you have people that um, you draw from previous experiences that you've kind of. I actually on? do both. Um, okay. I've been very fortunate to have some amazing mentors in my entire career and so I stay friends with them and I've made really good friends. And so I'll ask them and, and they'll help me. But I always have somebody where I'm at. Awesome. Always. Good. Good. So, cool. Well, uh, segueing into another question, what, in your opinion, uh, drawing on your experiences, what would you say is the most rewarding part of taking uh, a new locums assignment? I'm, I'm going to try and put some, uh, extract some things from the interview thus far. It sounds like you have a, a big heart and you would, you went to the COVID-19 pandemic that people were running away from. I would think that looking back on that, that's got to be relatively rewarding and also, You've mentioned kind of the freedom that it affords you. I, I would assume those two things are are high on the list. Anything else that you would call out? Meeting new people. Okay. 
for sure. Making new friends. Yeah. You know, and um, also learning where you fit or don't fit in. Yeah, fair. You know, you can learn and say, I would never work here again, or I would work here again gladly. Yeah. Um, yeah because sure. you have your own values. You know, I have my own and I stay with them. I don't change it for anybody. And I've done that ever since day one. And the one thing about me is um, even when I'm an educator, I always just say, don't forget who you are, who you are inside, because you know what? I don't know everything. I will never pretend to know everything. And I don't care if I look stupid, I will ask a question. And if I can't do something, I'm going to, but it's safety. But you also earn respect by taking care of patients properly and being nice to them. Are we always happy working in the ER? No, not when there's uh, drugs seeking, they're on meth and high on, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol, and they're really mean, nasty, cussing at you. But then you have to put yourself in a place and, and I'm not always perfect I'll t- and I'm not even ever perfect, but I will get really frustrated. And then I'll remember, thank God I'm not that patient. Uh, have yeah, to put uh, yourself- I do. I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. But then, and then you actually feel bad for them. And then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, at least I still have a little bit of a heart. Sometimes you yeah. <laughs> it's, uh It sounds like locums has... Uh, it somewhat forced you to put up a mirror uh, to yourself and say like, what are my values? What are, what's important to me? And, and thank goodness I'm where I'm at versus. You, do, you, have to, you have to realize that, okay, sometimes we want to get out and trust me after COVID, I didn't want to be in medicine anymore. I really sure. did. not I mean, I had a short time that I thought, well, what can I do? Um, and, but really Medicine is not like it used to be years ago, but if you can touch still one or two people, it's better than no people. Yeah. yeah. Great perspective. If you're ever wanting to try locums, just do it. And I'll tell you, life is too short, right? It just is. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. If you want to do it, don't be scared. Everybody's always afraid and fearful of what could be. Well, you know, in medicine, things are ever changing. Your resume, just because you changed to a local position, it's not going to hurt you. Sometimes they'll look at you, oh, you've had a lot of positions. Well, you make your resume to reflect locums, 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 you know. Um, and so just because you haven't been in a position for 15 years doesn't mean anything. And if they understand locums, they're going to realize it's going to benefit you. Big time. Big time. Um, it's to make you more well-rounded. And then you can choose where you want to go. And again, there's, there's negative sides to it. If you're, you don't want to be home, if you want to be home all the time, but you know, for experience, everybody should try it. In my opinion. I, uh, I appreciate the honesty and uh, definitely thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the podcast and sharing your story. It's been great talking with you. You too, Chase. You take care. This has been the Locum Story Podcast. To learn more about Locum tenants and find additional provider stories, visit locumstory.com.